Hey everyone and welcome back to The Leadership Project with your host Mick Spears. We bring you thought-provoking guests and topics every week to challenge your thinking about leadership. Our aim is to help you become the leader that you wish you always had as we learn together and lead together. Hey everyone and welcome back to The Leadership Project. I'm greatly honoured today to be joined by Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Ben is the founder of Live For Yourself Consulting and he's an executive leadership coach who trains people to be the leader of their career, to forge their own career in a way that brings them joy and fulfillment. And I'm really looking forward to today's discussion to set the scene a little bit. We talk a lot on this show about leadership in three dimensions, leadership of self, leadership of others, and leading the business. And in today's show, we're going to talk a lot about leading yourself and what it means to forge a great career and to be the master of your own destiny as a leader. So without any further ado, Ben, I'd love it if you would say hello to the audience and give us a flavor of your background that led you to do the work that you do today. Well, hello, audience. Thank you for being here. And if you know what Baskin and Robbins is, they have about 31 flavors of ice cream at their store. And my career might have not hit 31 flavors, but I'm sure there is a lot of different tastes along the way. And I never really kind of had the normal mentality of what work was supposed to be like. You know, my father was an entrepreneur. He was a, he had kind of had his own home remodeling business. He was a professional soccer player when he was younger. And on the other side of things, though, my mom was, you know, been at the same job for 25 years, was in the education industry. So I kind of had this risk adverse yet entrepreneurial spirit within me. Now that's led me to really be kind of the leader of my own career today. I work with leaders to help guide them towards creating a career that they can love for themselves so they don't feel stuck. So they feel empowered and they feel accountable for their own success. But that like kind of tug, you know, tug of war that I had for my own upbringing, what my professional life was supposed to be, led me to a point in my career where I felt really stagnant, where I felt like should be taking risks, but I didn't know how to take risks. Led me to being really resentful towards my employer because I thought my employer was supposed to make me happy and I didn't realize that I was the one that's supposed to be happy for my job. And, you know, because of that, I pulled back from all social relationships at work because I didn't understand the reason why they would even exist. Like, why would I have a conversation with this person that that I'm hopefully never going to talk to again, even though I was not making any changes to my job? Going into work, trying not to work because I didn't see the importance of it. And ultimately, I kind of burned any career capital that I was potentially going to create from spending seven years in healthcare at the time. Now, I said that I had a bunch of different flavors because before that I was in policy. I was in health policy. I actually, before that, wanted to be a nutritionist. And then at some point in between all that, I was in marketing and business marketing. And a lot of the twists and turns in my career were my choice, but also more so reacting to opportunities in front of me. And that was actually the problem. Like with nutrition, they canceled my major. So I kind of gave up after working a little bit with health policy, federal funding ended. And so after getting four different job offers and then getting all canceled within a week. I kind of turned away from that. Marketing ended up being something that wasn't really fulfilling because sitting behind a desk talking about marketing didn't really hit my value buttons. And so I kind of had these, I had these disappointments that when I was in kind of in that healthcare role, I didn't really know that there was anything else. But luckily, luckily I had a little bit of a light bulb moment and I hope, I wish if anyone is feeling stuck in their roles right now, that you have a light bulb moment too. And I honestly don't know what turned the switch 
on for me because I did a lot of work in my personal development, like in my own personal development, building my confidence, understanding my power, seeing that there really were no limits and dismantling limiting beliefs. And for some reason, that didn't translate to my professional life. And that's, that's actually one of the key reasons why I do what I do, because I don't want people, especially high achievers, to have beliefs about work that hold them back from ever truly achieving the work that matters to them. And so when I was walking into work one day, hating my life again, I looked around and it seemed like everybody else was feeling the same way. And for some reason, holding up the mirror to myself by looking at others, I realized that I didn't want to feel that way anymore and that the only person responsible for those feelings was me. And that led me to do a really hard career audit on what I really loved, what sparked my passions, the things I wanted to experience and really take back the reins of my career. And so then I started paving the path forwards. Okay. So there's lots there to unpack already. And I'm going to go one by one. The first thing you mentioned about values and you mentioned the word fulfilling. So was there a moment when you weren't feeling settled in the organizations that you're working in where it just felt incongruent? Like, so how did that present itself when you felt like your values weren't being met and you weren't being fulfilled? How did that feel? Ooh, this lovely word of feeling stuck. It's like, I think the word that a lot of people use, I feel stuck. Well, you feel stuck because for some reason you're not showing up authentically as who you are and you're not showing up in a way that is utilizing the specific superpowers and superpowers can be really just who you are at your core. It doesn't have to be a specific skill. And so when I was going into work, you know, and doing the work, like the random business development projects that I had, the financial management role that I had to step into, but even more recently, even in learning, because I had roles in learning after my doctorate that were more related or were that seemed to be more related to what I cared about and how I wanted to show up in the world. But I was incredibly underutilized. It was not at all the work that I expected it expected it to be. And it did not align with my my values. And at that point, I did understand that values, like value alignment, a lot of that is also perception, like how you perceive the work that you're doing. You can convince yourself a lot of stuff, but there's a point where the work just is not aligned with who you are and where you're going in your life, that then you feel stuck, you feel underutilized, and you kind of decide either to change it or to give up. So you've used the word stuck quite a lot. You've also previously used the word choice, where you were mentioning that one of your employees that you were working for, you resented them going, well, why aren't they giving me joy in the workplace? That wasn't the exact words you used, but it was close enough to it. And there was a moment where you realized that, well, actually, no, it's up to you to make the most of the situation to make your own choices. How did that realization come up on you? Well, like anything in life, especially leadership, no one, no one leads you to do something. You'd always choose to do it. And so the best leaders are the ones that can create an environment that helps motivate and engage others to work towards the things that they care about or they need to get done. And any sort of action that we do or any feeling that we choose to feel continuously is a choice. And, you know, this idea of accountability when it comes to your career, especially how you feel towards your career and how you show up in your career is crucial, is important. Where it came, I mean, I told you, I was, I was doing this stuff in my personal life. Like I spent four and a half, five years figuring out what my brand identity was as a human being, because when I lost soccer, one of the profession that I thought was my everything, I had no self-identity. And so I went exploring life, just trying things out to try them, not even caring about value alignment, just being like, this seems like an interesting experience. Let's go do it. Putting myself in incredibly uncomfortable situations just to know that I could. And in that state, right, being able to realize that there is no thing as failure, there is no thing as risk, right? 
right? Other than bot, like any personal risk to your own self or to your future potentially, but not just like by rejection or anything like that. You tend to learn very quickly that your success in a situation is highly dependent on if you believe you're successful in that situation and how you choose to react to external indicators or events. And if you can stay consistent towards what you're trying to achieve in a situation, you've won 100%. So what I'm hearing there, a constant theme there is that we may not be able to control the things that happen around us, but we can control how we respond and we can intentionally control our mindset about how we think about and how we feel about what is happening around us. We make those choices as to whether a bad situation impacts us or not, whether we allow joy into our life. All of these things are are things that are actually in our control. I want to come back to this word stuck and we're seeing an interesting thing in the workplace right now with things like the great resignation with quiet quitting all the way through to some people, of course, do find joy and fulfillment in their life. But what I'm seeing, and I'd love your reflection on this, you see more of this than me. What I'm seeing is this continuum from, yeah, I'm in a job that I love through to I'm in a job that I absolutely hate and I'm being treated badly, etc., etc. But then the middle is where people I think is are getting stuck. It's when they're in a job that doesn't suck. It's not the worst job in the world, but it's not setting their heart alight, right? So what advice have you got to people? Like, so, so obviously the people that are in really bad, toxic environments are generally acting, but it's these ones that are stuck in the middle of something that isn't setting their heart on fire, but they're turning up to get the paycheck every, every week. They're doing sometimes the bare minimum just to make sure that they don't get fired, but they've got no soul. They've got no life. They've got no energy coming from that workplace. Are you seeing a similar thing? And what advice do you have for people that are stuck in the middle, if you like? Yeah, I want to expand a little bit too, because you asked like, what were the signs? And I think I just said stuck, but I think it's easier to get a little bit more descriptive. So leadership that doesn't give recognition, leadership that is authoritative or tells you what to do without coaching, leadership that's absent, peers that think you are competing for their job or work, peers that are not easy to work with, departments that are trying or combative and focus on conflict, meetings that get scheduled last minute, meetings get scheduled really early in the morning or at night, leaders or peers that don't respect your time, changing minds consistently, right? Telling you to do something and telling you to do something else. So these are the types of things that can happen in a workplace that are not exactly extremely toxic, but are negative and can lead you to feeling like you should not be at where you're at. More personal work that doesn't challenge you, work that you are just so good at that it doesn't motivate you to do or work that is so beyond your abilities that you don't know where to start and you feel like an imposter. Social relationships that you can't, you don't have any, you feel alone. Position that has no career growth in a position that has absolutely no meaning to you whatsoever, no matter how you try to look at it and a company that goes or a company that goes against your values. And these are things that can hint at right where job satisfaction or meaning can come from. Like from those individuals that are in a job, it's a paycheck. Maybe it used to be exciting, but now that it's not, well, what do you do? And so if you look at what I said, there's a couple pillars that relate, you know, based on the research, as well as just from working with clients that relate to increased levels of job satisfaction and meaning. So you can either say, I want to fix this, or you can say, I want to leave. And I have to say, Mick, this is like a really big decision for a lot of people that I work with. It's I'm in a toxic environment and I don't know if I should leave. Well, you should leave. Or I'm in a position that I think is good enough. Should I find something new? And that is a really tough decision for a lot of people. So maybe we can come back to that. But I want to talk about meaning and job satisfaction first, like the pillars that can help people become happier. Yeah, sure. Okay, so let's go. And how did you find your purpose and meaning? 
Oh, well, luckily I had a little bit of a light bulb moment when I was resentful towards my employer. And during that hard career audit, I focused on a couple of things and I ask everyone to do the same if they're feeling stuck. What are you good at? What have you been trained to do? List 50 different things. Get specific. Look at the different projects that you've done. Look at the jobs that you've had. Look at the degrees that you have. Look at the closest relationships that you have to see because sometimes our skills are mirrored in our closest relationships. So you have to look at what you've been trained to do. For me personally, at that time, it was coaching was a really, really big component of what I've been trained to do. Coaching, data analysis, process improvement. There's been different components of entrepreneurship that I was really good at, like audio and video editing events, hosting events, selling research. Now, after you looked at what you've been trained to do, you want to look at what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, this is a great opportunity to go exploring. You can, you're not going to find the thing that you love to do by sitting behind a computer and reading articles. And honestly, you're not going to find it from listening to podcasts. You'll get a hint, but you find what you love to do by doing it. And luckily for me, I knew what I loved to do. And that was also working one-on-one with individuals and potentially talent development. Talent development was an area of interest that popped up because I was selected for 16 months of leadership training. And in that training period, I met an incredible individual who was managing that program across 13 different hospital sites. And he was, I was lucky enough to hit, be paired up with him as my mentor. And when I saw his job, when I connected with him individually on a you know, one-on-one conversation, I go, you are someone that I respect and you are someone who's doing work that I would feel respected doing. And so I started exploring the realms of talent development and leadership development. That's actually how I got to where I am today because of that individual who highlighted that field for me. It lit me up, right? Sparked an interest. Now I'm also passionate about health and there's a lot of different ways that I define health, but this aligned explicitly with how I wanted to impact other people's health through personal and professional development. Now you also need to have a path forward. So career development, what are you learning? And you have to know what you're working towards or you will start to feel stuck, right? So if, if you're able to focus on work you're good at, work that you're passionate about and something that you're working towards, then you feel your work is meaningful. You feel that it's challenging and you feel confident while doing it, which is incredibly important. Now, there's a couple other pillars such as do you have the resources to do your job and do you have social relationships at work that that matter to you and that bring you joy and that are, that are positive. But honestly, when it comes to just where you should be in your career in regards to work, it is those three key areas. So it's sounding very similar to Ikigai to me, Ben, but with a, with a twist, right? So with the Ikigai, what we hear is, you know, you, you find something that you're good at and try to put humility aside for a bit and be confident about what you're good at. You've got to own that kind of stuff. What are you passionate about? What does the world need? And usually the Ikigai process then says, what do you get paid for? But what I'm hearing from you, if I'm taking this away correctly, it's not just what you get paid for, it's what can you get rewarded for? And reward comes in different formats, including growth. So am am I in a job where I'm growing every day? Am I learning something every day? Am I a better person every month because I'm progressing? I'm not just doing the same thing over and over again. So how's my reflection there? Is this what I'm hearing that look for the ways that you can get rewarded by what you're doing? Yeah, so I created this model for a workshop and I called it the career sweet spot. And I was leading the workshop and someone goes, this seems really similar to Ikigai. And I go, what's that? And I go look it up and I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting. Now I focus on the career development piece because the people that come to me, like the people that are unhappy at work want to grow. They have a value set within them that they, they need to keep learning and growing. And a career is a culmination of jobs. I think people forget that. They go, what am I supposed to do in my career? Well, I know this might be something that you want to 
focused on in terms of a realm of a value set, but what you do, your job may vary depending on that. You may apply your values in different ways, different jobs leading you towards a career. And so the career sweet spot is supposed to move. Like you may say, oh, I was happy at this work, but now I'm not not happy at this work. And what I think Ikigai does not take into account is the fact that what we should be doing and focusing on for our jobs changes over time based on who we are, what we've learned and what we care about. And that's why I put in the career development piece, because we constantly are moving and evolving and there always is a next step. If I go a little bit further with this career development and opportunities for growth, I want to ask two questions. I'm just going to fire them both at the same time and then you decide how you, which direction you go with this in terms of how you answer it. The first one, we've spoken a lot about personal ownership and personal accountability. So the first question is, if you're in a job where you don't see career development or you don't see opportunities to growth, how do you address that? And second, for leaders in the audience that have got team members, what advice can you give them to make sure that they are giving opportunities for growth in the team. So any advice that I give to someone for themselves and they're a leader, they should do the same thing for their team. I was working with the CEO yesterday and he goes, Ben, it's great. I've done all of these things for myself and I'm automatically doing them for the people that I work with. But a lot of leaders, not the case. They learn something and then they keep it to themselves. Whatever works for you will work for other people too. So when we're looking at career development for yourself, now what did I say? Accountability and empowerment. You know, what matters in your career? Proactiveness. You have to be accountable for your career and you have to feel empowered to do it. So in career development, you need to to take the reins and create the path forward for yourself. Now, there might be one in an organization. You may not want that path, but let's say you do. Are you going to your boss and your manager and saying, this is what I want for my next step? Or are you saying, what do you think is my next step in this organization? And so that's from the actual job title perspective. You might also say, what are some areas that you think I'm really great at? How can I improve upon them? Or what are some areas that you think I need to improve upon? How can I improve upon them? And you recruit your manager as a mentor. And you yourself might have some interest and you have to bring it to your manager and ask for your manager support around those interests. Or if they don't have anything to do with the job itself, go take a class outside of it. Like for example, I'm taking Spanish class once a week now for three hours. No one's going to do that for me. You have to do it for yourself. And if you want something now, it's too late. You should be talking about career development before you're ready for career development. Why? Because it takes three, six to nine, and even longer if you're in a senior level position for you to carve a path forward. It takes long to figure out, well, what's a new project you're going to be put on? At least a quarter, right? Because quarter, depending on if you have certain goals and stuff for the quarter, and strategic initiatives. Now for your team, you should be going to them and saying, what do you really care about? What are you working towards? What do you want to learn? And sadly, most people don't have an answer to that question. So as their leader, you should be reviewing what they've shown a a strong interest in, what they've been engaged in. What have they brought up in team meetings or in one-on-ones and try to figure out what you could offer them from a, from a work perspective, right? Either to broaden their skills or to make their skills more in depth, as well as a career development opportunity for them. What are you training them for? What competencies are you trying? trying to ensure that they're going to be able to fit so that they can continue moving up in the organization or, you know, move horizontally as well. So what I'm loving there, Ben, is the first thing is that you're getting the leader or you're getting the individual to think about what is it that you're looking for in the workplace. I'm looking for empowerment. I'm looking for accountability and I'm looking for opportunities for growth. But then you didn't just stop at that in terms of the team. You then describing someone who then stays curious and goes and asks the right questions to their team. So I'm going to use a silly example of your Spanish lesson. If you just assumed, oh, well, everyone wants to learn Spanish. 
Spanish. You would enroll your whole team in Spanish lessons, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about staying curious and going, what does growth look like for you? What would you, what challenge would you like to take on? And how can I support you in that challenge? The question I've got here is then, what do you think is the balance between sending someone on a formal program? Let's say they want to learn topic XYZ, sending them on a formal course versus just giving them exposure to that experience. To If they want to learn public speaking, you can do one or two things. You can send them on a formal public speaking course, or you can give them progressively more challenging opportunities to stand up in front of people and, and give a speech. What are your thoughts there? You can tell them, yeah, you can also tell them to create a Toastmasters program in your organization and, and lead a public speaking initiative and engagement and community group. You could also give them a podcast or a book and tell them that you're going to read it with them or tell them to listen to this podcast and come back with the key takeaways and that you're going to test them on it. Like it, learning doesn't have to be formal. Learning has to be engaging. Now, if someone needs a certification to move up in an organization and it's really important to them and the company reimburses for it, sure, great. But learning takes, it takes commitment and the best best way to test commitment is to give someone assignments and give them the opportunity to show up in the organization in a different way, especially public speaking. Public speaking is a really great one because I work with a lot of clients on executive communication. I have a lot of clients in IT and they've kind of been stuck in the senior manager director role and they have not learned a certain altitude of conversation. You know, what is too much detail? And so we work a lot on what to share, you know, how to share, who to talk to, how to get into the spotlight more and having opportunities to speak with very varying levels of leaders is a great opportunity, has been a great opportunity for those clients to test out different altitudes of conversation. And so I actually would recommend not leaning on credentialed programs, especially let's say it's virtual, because what do most people do during virtual learning nowadays is they look at their email while they're in class. And it's very difficult to ensure learning. Learning comes from experiential and applied opportunities, basically means the person does it. And then when then once that person does it, a part of a learning program, let's say it is public speaking, let's say you do some them to a credential program is teaching others. So great, you're going to go on this program. When you come back, I want you to pick two people. We're going to work together to see who you want to pick, or I'm going to pick them and I'm going to share them with you or some people on your team or other people in the organization to learn what you've learned. You're going to teach them. This is great. So what it's making me think about is Glass's Pyramid. And there's a lot of people that debunk Glass's Pyramid because Glass actually never wrote it. It's just an extrapolation of his work about choice theory in the classroom, etc. And it's a pyramid that describes the experiential learning that you're talking about, right? So regardless of whether it's scientifically accurate or not, it just has a certain truthiness about it that, you know, people remember 10% of what they read, 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they see and hear, 50% of what they talk about with other people, 70% of what they experience for themselves, and then all the way up to 95% of what they can teach to someone else. So that really hands-on element is where the greatest learning comes, including if they fail, by the way, right? So if they, they have a go at something and it doesn't go as well as they thought, there's so much learning if they have the right mindset that can come from having an attempt at a public speaking event and for it not to go perfectly so that you can learn from it and continue to grow, but in a supportive environment. So one of the things I'd like to share now, Ben, and get your reflection on is one of the things I teach leaders is that every time you're doing something, you're actually robbing someone else in your team from the opportunity of learning how to do that thing. And let's stick on the public speaking realm because many leaders are very good at public speaking and a conference comes up and the company has to send someone to the conference to represent the 
company and stand on that stage, a lot of leaders, their first inclination will go, oh, clearly it's me. I'm the most knowledgeable. I'm the best public speaker. We want to represent the company well. So yeah, I'm going to do it. But every time you do that, that means that someone in your team didn't have the opportunity to get up on that stage and have a go and have a practice and to work on their craft. How does that sit with you? I absolutely love it. And I would turn it into a competition, you know, get a couple of people that are interested in presenting at that conference to prepare presentations about specific projects that are ongoing or something that they want to present. And so you can turn it into a really engaging opportunity. And I agree completely that if a leader is doing something, 100%, you ask, should I be doing this right now? Who could be doing this right now? If you can answer who could be doing this, then that person should be doing it. Yeah, good one. And then they're going to feel like they matter. They're going to feel important. They're going to feel like they're getting opportunities. They're going to feel empowered and they'll have the opportunity to grow and take some accountability of their own personal development. I love it, Ben. This is really great. So as I bring us to a close, I'd just like you to wrap us up with what's the number one advice that you could give to someone out there that is feeling stuck and isn't sure. Like you you spoke about someone in that situation where they're not sure whether they should just leave and go and try somewhere else versus stick where they're at and start reframing where they're at and making the most of the situation in whatever company they're working for right now. What is that number one bit of advice that you can give to someone about turning left or turning right? We have a lot, a lot of living beliefs that hold us back based on one or two experiences in an organization or experiences from previous organizations. So working with a client over the past couple of days, give them the opportunity to connect with me pretty much 24 seven. And I was getting a couple of different messages of a really toxic leader that was yelling at this other leader, this individual, and this person's their boss, as well as, you know, getting into the weeds, micromanaging. And this individual was ready to quit, ready to leave. And I asked a lot of questions. I coached you know, and it wasn't really, wasn't coming up. There was too much of a blockage. And I had to give my opinion that if someone's yelling at you, managing up would be you're yelling right now. This isn't conducive to a productive conversation. And it's what we're trying to achieve. Can you stop yelling? And if that person keeps yelling, you walk away. I don't care if it's the CEO of the company. This individual thought they had two options to shut up and take it or to quit. And there was a limiting belief around how you can manage up or what this person can respond to, what they will respond to. Same thing with the micromanaging conversation. Hey, I totally got this. This is why you hired me. You know, can you tell like what's going on? Get curious. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you need this? Did something happen? Get curious. Ask questions. You're not pushing back. You're setting boundaries. You're leading. But there were limiting beliefs in regards to that person where they held themselves back. So my one piece of advice would be: if you're stuck right now, is that based on reality or is that based on something that's happened in the past that is now holding you back from living in the present? As you ultimately can redo who you are, you can redo a situation, you can redo a relationship every single day, depending on how you want to react and treat it. So there were two elements I heard there, Ben. First of all, is the limiting belief. So having a think about what limiting belief is holding me back right now and checking whether it's real or not, or is it just something that I've created in my own mind or based on a previous experience? And have I truly challenged it to understand, is that really true? And have I tried? Have I tried? And then the second part was about boundaries. And and what I'm hearing is you need to at least try. So if you're in a situation where maybe your relationship with your leader or your boss is, is not as you would like it, it might be a blind spot for that leader. And if you don't address it with 
with them, they can't do something about it. Like, so if, if they're not aware of how they're making you feel, the first thing you should do is give them the opportunity to address it, both for your sanity and also those around you, because if they're doing it with you, they might be doing it with others. And then in the event that you're with some level of clear articulation, you've told them about a boundary that you're unhappy about and their behavior doesn't change, well, then they're disrespecting your boundaries and that's when you move on. So that's the takeaways I'm taking there. How does that sit with you, Ben? I'm going to take you on every podcast that I do and you can kind of follow up <laughs> everything that I say. I love it. Yeah, wonderful. I think so. something that you said, I just the call out. We assume so much in the workplace and in our relationships. If we could just get out of our heads and stop assuming and say what we think and say what we feel in a curious and respectful way, then all the assumptions that are causing you to be stressed and anxious and frustrated and feel stuck will go away. I'm going to say that includes with your peers and colleagues, right? So listening to you here, Ben, like how many times do you catch yourself, even if it's just saying it in your head, oh, that person only said that because they want to blah, blah, blah. That's an assumption. It's an untested assumption. And you are going to get stressed. You're going to be thinking about that conversation for the next day, two days, three days. And they've probably just gone on with their life. And it was an insignificant moment for them. But because you didn't address it, you weren't able to nip it in the bud and you've gone away in a stress ball and they've gone on with their life. So it's not just with bosses. I'm going to say that's with peers and colleagues as well. How does that sit with you? Yeah, very much so. It's for everybody. Yeah. All right, Brent. All right. So that brings us to a close. I'd like to go into our rapid round now. So these are the same four questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were 20? Nothing matters that we are just little specks of dust in the world. Now we're made up of the same specks of the world. Like it's pretty cool. Like what makes us up is the same thing that makes up the tree and the stone and the other person next to us, which is super cool. And supposedly what we're made up of is like the initial ingredients of the universe, which is also really cool because of that, like nothing matters. Everything is just something that has happened that now you get to work with. And when I was younger, I was unconfident. I doubted way too much. I held myself back from doing things that I think would have been wonderful experiences because I thought that they mattered. Like I thought that my beliefs of what held me back mattered, right? My fears and my concerns and my worries, nothing matters. Live your life, live for yourself, explore life, be the universe that you are, right? That, that you're made up of and go exploring. All right. Very good. Nice reality check there. I love it. What's your favorite book? Probably Reframing by Richard Bandler, the founder, one of the co-founders of NLP. And I have to then follow up with probably also The Alchemist, which is a kind of a, a narrative around life and love and exploration. The Alchemist has come up a few times on the show. I've not read it, so I'm going to have to get a copy of that. What's your favorite quote? I'm going to quote myself. The most important leader is the one that's within you. All right. Very good. And finally, Ben, if people are going to be really interested in, in live for yourself and everything that you've shared today, if people would like to know more about you and take advantage of your services, how do people find you? Well, first off, listen to this podcast again and just why not bring up the view count a little bit, but also because learning tends to, you tend to like speed learn. Oh, I got to read this book. Oh, I got to listen to this podcast and go to the next one. When often if we find something that really resonates with us and is what we need at this point in time in our life, you should really only be listening to that and reading that. So if this resonated with you, listen to it again, write some things down, take some notes, apply it, put it into your life. If you still want to work on stuff, go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. Check out my page, check out the media content, download the five secrets to 
fulfilling career ebook that's there. And if that interests you, you can send me an email. You can schedule some time to chat. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Dr. Benjamin Ritter and send me a message and we'll see if we can work together. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom today. I'm sure there's going to be lots of people in the audience that are probably sitting there in one of those stuck situations and you've helped them reflect. You've helped them think about where they're at. And yeah, I love the encouragement to listen to this again, because you'll pick up different things each time that you listen, if you are in that situation. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show and we wish you the best of success into the future for Live For Yourself Consulting. Thank you, Mick. It's been great. Thank you for listening to The Leadership Project at MickSpears.com. A huge call out to Faris Sadek for his video editing of all of our video content and to all of the team at TLP. Joanne Goes On, Gerald Calabo and my amazing wife, Say Spears. I could not do this show without you. Don't forget to subscribe to the Leadership Project YouTube channel where we bring you interesting videos each and every week. And you can follow us on social, particularly on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Now, in the meantime, please do take care, look out for each other, and join us on this journey as we learn together and lead together.